You're listening to Sport, Digital and Social with Mr. Richard Clark. I think if we can get that level of excitement about really having your hands on the controls of what's going to happen with this team, I think that'll very quickly take it from a gimmick to, wow, how do I get involved in that? Because that sounds really cool. We're envisioning that some of the technology and the fan engagement approaches that we take will probably bubble up to some of the bigger and more established leagues because we're going to be a place where you can really experiment and kind of have a live lab of, of seeing what works. They picked the team name, which ended up being the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles. Second place was the Storm and Mormons. And uh, Teamy McTeamface was also a strong contender. Hi there. This is a very different episode of Sport, Digital and Social. I'm speaking to Jason Chilton from the Fan Controlled Football League. This is an American Football League in which the fans control everything. The roster, the ownership decisions, even the plays on the field. Now I spoke to Jason just after he spoke on the topic at South by Southwest in Austin, where I was speaking myself. I thought I'd do it in the corridor, a little bit of ambience in the background wouldn't make any difference and add to the flavour of the piece. What I didn't know is that someone had brought their baby to South by Southwest and they'd be crying in the background just as I got to an important bit. I couldn't cut it out, so I left it in. Bear with me. Do remember to rate, review, subscribe and sign up to my newsletter at mrrichardclark.com. That's where you can find my blog too. Anyway, let's get back to Jason, that baby, and the story of the fan-controlled football league. My name is Jason Chilton. I'm the head of football experience for the fan-controlled football league. And the fan-controlled football league is the world's first professional sports league that actually puts fans in control of all the decisions and actions for their major teams. There are going to be eight teams in this league. They're all going to play in the same facility, which is almost certainly going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. And the fans will get to do everything from deciding on the team names and logos, colors, uniform design, and things like that, to actually drafting the players that they want to have on their team, to actually calling the offensive and defensive plays during the game via mobile apps. So it's really taking you know, just about every aspect of how this team competes and letting the fans take control of it. Just how different is this league? Because it sounds incredibly different. It sounds like nothing I've ever heard of, to be honest. It's going to be incredibly different in that, you know, no league has ever really taken this approach. We had actually had a team this past year, there was a league known as the Indoor Football League, and we can talk a little about the difference between indoor and, and outdoor American football for folks in your audience that might not have uh, watched a lot of either, but uh, we actually had an expansion franchise in that league, which was an existing indoor league, but we purchased an expansion franchise and allowed the fans to start making decisions for that team. So they picked the city that would be in, it was ended up in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah. They picked the team name, which ended up being the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles, Second place was the Storm and Mormons because Utah is quite a, a stronghold for uh, for the Mormon folks. And uh, Teamy McTeamface was also a strong contender. And I, I believe it was I believe it was a UK research vessel that they opened the they opened the naming up. And it, Bodie McBoatface is what won. So I think that was what inspired Teamy McTeamface being a strong contender. <laughs> so this is arena football. So this is arena football. For, for, for my audience that may not know the big difference. So uh, how is this different from? NFL, apart from the fact it's played in, in an arena, it, it's reduced teams, it reduced roster size, etc. Right, yeah, basically every, everything is smaller, and including salaries by a substantial degree, but the, the, num- the a normal NFL field is 100 yards wide by about 58 yards in width. 
and uh, this field, you know, the, the typical indoor field is only 50 yards long, so half the length and about 28 yards wide, so it's similar dimensions, but you know, half the size and half the width. And they're typically played <coughs> in kind of multi-purpose facilities where usually they're playing on something that also doubles as a hockey rink. And so, you know, the walls around that, you don't really have the option to remove. So they just kind of pad the walls. And one of the interesting rules is, you know, you can, you can be knocked into, the, knocked into the wall. You can catch a ball falling over the wall. But if you come up with the ball, then it's still a catch. They don't consider you out of bounds if you make the catch and fall out of bounds. So... The, and the, the rules are different because you don't, typically in indoor leagues there are different rule sets for different leagues. You typically only have seven or eight players aside versus 11 in traditional outdoor football. And, so, and they change some of the rules because you just have people aligned differently. So there are certain things they do. They say the defense can't do this because it's too easy to get to the quarterback and really disrupt the offense. So the rule set is different in a number of ways and they let more offensive players be in motion running towards the line of scrimmage at the snap. So at the snap of the ball, a guy can have a full running start, you know, which kind of opens the game up and, and makes it more more offense friendly. And typically the the scoring's pretty high in your your typical indoor game, more so than more so than most outdoor games. But you know, it's still real football. It's just a rule set that's kind of tailored to, you know, the dimensions and the number of players on the field. How many games in it, and, and when does it run? Because there's only eight teams, so how right. much you play? Well, the teams will play 16 games, so they'll play each other team either either two or three times. They're actually going to be playing. The, the games will just be one hour long. You know, traditionally an NFL game is about three hours or so, but these games will just be an hour long. So we're dealing that to tailor into you know it's the typical length of an esports broadcast, and also gives us more opportunities to find broadcast windows in you know more traditional broadcast cable channels and things like that. And so teams will actually play most often two games in a day, maybe with an hour break, because we'd talked to some sports scientists and whatnot. They said, okay, it's it's much better to do that, you know, just kind of keep guys loose and warm for an hour and then play again versus play and then play three days, you know, ramp up and play three days later. So it'll be a 16-game season with a couple of rounds of playoffs and a championship game, and that'll happen kind of a nine- to ten-week regular season and then a couple of weeks for playoffs. So we we certainly have the ability to, within the FCFL, say play play two seasons in a year and the question will be you know what would be the ideal timing for that how much time off would the players need because we're, we're trying to avoid going head-to-head essentially with the NFL and, and college football certainly out of the gate but it could be that could be another expansion element is play essentially two seasons a year and one of those overlaps with you know the NFL and CFL seasons but maybe the games happen in the middle of the week when those other leagues aren't aren't playing so what time of year would that be or do you not quite know uh, most most likely It'll be uh, very late uh, 2018, or most likely uh, early 2019, when the league will actually kick off. You know, we're hoping to. It won't be long after the the token sale, which is going to happen in. We're still nailing exact date, but it'll happen in April. And so, you know, very quickly after that, we're going to get that system live, get our app live, and fans can start voting on things like the team names and things of that sort. And we'll get to the point. You know, prior to the season, we'll have a pre-draft camp where we bring in all the players that are under contract they play they scrimmage so fans get to look at them decide who they want to draft so there'll be a lot of stuff happening for fans to vote on and engage with before the season kicks off but yeah it'll probably be late 2018 2019 before we're actually playing games 
So how does the process of fan interaction work? Presumably for votes that are outside of the game, it's 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 pr a pretty standard thing to do, a website or an app, is it? But but what about the in-game stuff? The Both the out-game and in-game stuff, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit too about the system we're using to kind of power the fan, you know, power fans voting power essentially. We're mm. creating a, a crypto asset token called fan token based on the Ethereum network and Holding fan token is basically what powers your vote. The more fan token a power, uh, the more fan token a fan has, the more their vote will count on anything from calling a play to deciding should we trade this player or cut this player, anything like that. So basically, fans will have this fan token in a wallet within their you know, within their FCFL account, and every time that they vote. You know, it could, you know, as an example of an you know an out of game vote, we're going to be having a draft where all the teams will basically the rosters will be created by the fans voting on who to draft through what will probably be about 18 rounds of of drafting over a couple of days, and so you know every time that it's their team's turn to pick, we'll probably have you know say three or four players as options for them to draft that, that some subset of the fans will will kind of select and then they'll vote on which player they want and that'll probably be you know, through a mobile app although you may be able to do it on desktop as well but we're trying to make sure that everything we can do can be done on mobile and so you know they'll they'll place their votes and you know the votes times the you know the weighting based on their fan token will determine who gets drafted and then the in the end game part and this was this was probably the coolest thing that we managed Last year with the Screaming Eagles, we had the fans call all the offensive plays through a mobile app, and essentially the way it would work was we had a system that had the, the team's playbook laid into it, and so for all the situations on the field, be it you know first and 10 at a kind of a neutral spot, or third and long, where it's, you have to advance the ball a long way to get a first down, or first and goal where you're right on the cusp of scoring, we'd pick a subset of plays that were, all right, these would all be appropriate plays to run in this situation, and so every time a play happened, we would update the information in the system to say, okay, now it's say second and three on the left hat, at midfield so the system would then say all right well these are the plays that we should serve up and would pick four of those yeah at, at somewhat random but they'd be weighted you know the coach could decide all right I really want this play called in this situation so it would be have at least more chance to be served up to the fans and so they would see in their mobile app a selection of four plays with the diagram of what was happening on the play and whether it was a run or pass they would pick that then the votes would be tallied, the winning play would go to the coach, and then he'd reel it under the team, and then that's what would be run. How do coaches feel about that? Because they're being told what to do essentially by the fans. And I would sense uh, an element of um, resistance to that. But that's part of the league, I suppose. It's part of the job that they're taking. Yeah, exactly. That was, you know, we expected you know, some resistance and head scratching and how, how is all this going to work? And we actually ended up, we, there, there were a few reasons that it didn't work out. The, the first coach, the first head coach of the team, we ended up having to replace a couple of games into the season, but uh, brought in another coach who'd been a veteran indoor football quarterback and coach. And, you know, things went much more smoothly with him, but, you know, there would be frustration around you know the fans tended to be pretty pass happy in their calls and sometimes both the you know the, the coach was really wishing we'd run more and then the offensive linemen who were responsible for doing the blocking they really wanted to run <laughs> more to the point where 
there were a couple times in the locker room where guys were looking at me like, "What? Are, it's your fault. Why aren't we running the ball more?" And I was like, "Guys, it's not me." So it, it was only the one team that was powered this way last year, and it's going to be all eight teams. Yes, isn't it, yes, this it's going to be right? all, all so, eight. So how did they do in the league? Uh, we actually we the team went five and eleven, so not fantastic. But you know it was a completely new expansion team, and the cool thing was you know out of the out of the eight teams in the league, we actually finished third in the league in offense with the fans calling the plays. We probably had more problems, especially in the first half of the, de- of the year, on defense and special teams. The other the other phases of the game, but you know the the notion like can fans call plays and have the offense succeed? You know that part we thought proved out really well. So we were we were excited about that, and now that we're controlling the whole league, fans will be able to call both offense and defense. So you'll essentially be playing against the other fan base. They're calling defense when they're on defense, and you're calling offense when you're on offense, and then it reverses when the the possession changes. One thing I didn't expect was to have a baby in the background. <laughs> I expected I expected a few things. I didn't expect right. a baby yeah, in the background. I that's the first one I've seen, I think, at, yeah. at one of these. <laughs> All right, let's, let's see if we can carry on. So what sort of funding have you got for this? We are actually doing, through the the sale of the fan token that I talked about, that, that cryptographic asset, we are raising money that's used to not only develop that and the ecosystem to make that work, but also a lot of the league itself. We actually did a pre-sale that we concluded in December, and we raised uh, $5 million for that. We're targeting uh, between 25 and $30 million for our public sale, which will be happening in April. And uh, the pre-sale was actually the first time that uh, you know, Indiegogo and MicroVentures had partnered on this, because there have been a lot of uh, different teams and companies doing, doing token sales of, of various degrees, and this was the first time that they had run that through their platform, and it ended up making it available to not only a number of, of U.S. investors, be it accredited investors or non-accredited investors, as well as international investors, and we're likely pursuing a, a similar approach for that. We're also take we're also talking to some some VCs and other folks about investment directly in the league itself and making some of that available to some of our partners as well. But so it's kind of a multi-pronged funding strategy. But yeah, we feel very good about uh, getting the resources in to you know not only launch the league but sustain us for a couple of seasons as we as we ramp up things like sponsorship revenue and all that. How do you get this? Is this on television? Is this online? Is it YouTube? How is it available? Starting in the third game of our first season in 2017, we had all of our content streamed on Twitch. I don't know if you're familiar with Twitch, but they are the uh, you know, it's extremely massive streaming platform that's been a, tremendously popular in the, the gaming culture worldwide. And you know, it's really been a, a huge platform for esports. And now they're starting to expand into kind of more traditional quote unquote sports broadcasts and streams as well. And so we're going to be carried on the Twitch platform as well this season and and going forward we're also looking into the prospect of more traditional broadcast deals so not certain if one of those will be in place in season one or not but we think as the kind of excitement around this concept builds that there'll be the opportunity to be carried on kind of a more traditional you know broadcast cable satellite whatever it might be in addition to the the streaming platform but uh, we were really excited with the way we were able to integrate with the Twitch platform last year, people were actually able to call plays 
through the Twitch platform, either on their mobile or on the desktop within the Twitch chat that's available during every stream. They could simply enter their play call and that would be, that vote would be registered and they'd see, okay, this is the play that, that won and then they'd get to, you know, a few seconds later watch that play actually be run. So it's really neat to be able to have that kind of direct integration with your platform that's actually providing your content. Yeah, and that's of course a massive gaming channel. This is called Madden in real life. Isn't it real life Madden? That's what it's been called. Does, yeah, yeah, that, does that stack up? That, that, that analogy? analogy? I, I think it does and we've actually gotten a lot of excitement from there's a, there's a pretty good size community of Madden players on Twitch and you know, there's, you know that's an eSport of its own. People competing against each other in Madden and a lot of the things that make the whole Madden experience cool to people, you know, not only, you know, calling the plays and controlling the players, but also the idea of building your team up and being able to do trades, being able to draft players and that, you know, all that capability to fully shape a team will also be available through this, you know, essentially real life, <laughs> real life approach to Madden. So I think it's got a lot of appeal to folks that love that and just generally love gaming and the ability to have and exert that kind of control. It's, it's bringing, you know, that new dimension to, you know, more traditional real life, real world sport and activity. But of course, up until now, you've only had the one team playing with the, with the fan um, access, the one fa fan powered team. Mm -hmm. Next year, you're going to have teams playing against each other that are both fan-powered. Okay, so are you going to have to protect the offense from knowing what the defense is calling and vice versa? We've, we've looked at that. We were actually more concerned about that last year because we, we knew for certain that some of the other teams were kind of watching our app and you know, seeing what had happened and, and trying to tell their defense as much as they could what was coming. You know, the We've got a few opportunities to make sure that you know there's not we, you know they call it screen watching, be it Madden or you know other games where you may be picking a play and then your opponent is watching the same screen and yeah. it's kind of cheating and looking at, at what you're doing because it, the offense and defense will be calling plays at the same time and every you know, every fan has to be you know the fan of one team or another so they'll just see their own teams screen essentially when it's time to select and you know, obviously somebody could cheat and ha you know, have some way to look at what was happening on the other teams but then at the same time there are four plays that would be picked from and they both have to make their decision in the same time frame so it won't be like the offense picks their play and then subsequently the defense has time to react to that they're both making their decisions at the same time and we think it's going to be probably about a 10-12 second time frame to make your selection so we think it's going to be extremely tough to look at the, you know, select, say if you're on defense, look at the selection of offensive plays, either decide which one you think is most likely or come up with a, this is the best defense to address all of these, then communicate that broadly to enough of your fan base who are all voting to consistently have an impact on the vote. And then we're also going to control communication down to the field because the, you know, the, the play selection will happen before it's called and then run but we're going to make sure that there's you know we're going to closely monitor that to make sure nobody's yelling out to the, yeah, okay thinking, the post yeah, is coming yeah you're, you're, so you're that's gonna have the yeah, and again it. when it was just when it was one team and it wasn't our league yeah we had no we had no way to control that whatsoever but now that we essentially run the league we can you know take steps to make sure that there's not any kind of pre-snap communication coming down that would tip one side or the other off as as to what's coming so all the teams are going to be playing in vegas obviously they're, they're representing different 
cities. They're well, they're right? they're really yeah. they're representing. We've you know that was one of the the key questions that we thought about was okay. We've got a new team with totally new leagues, and traditionally, you know, most team sports, the geographic affiliation or or school or university affiliation is what drives your attachment to that team. Like these are eight totally new teams that have never done anything. They don't even necessarily have names yet. How do you decide which of these eight teams you'd like to be a fan of? And so we've, we've actually worked with a pretty innovative uh, marketing agency that has come up with the concept of essentially these kind of team personality archetypes. And so they've got eight that we think do a good job of kind of covering the spectrum. And you know, it's, it ranges from like they call it like the, the sneaky strategist, like Bill Belichick, Tom Brady type, you know, always trying to find an edge through analysis and things like that. The lunch pail, all American hard-working classic grinders the talented phenom kind of you know loudmouth showboat type type things and so ultimately the personalities that these teams take on and evolve from the fan base to the types of players that they want you know the, these are things that will kind of evolve naturally but we've got this kind of starting point of hey this is what this team is all about and if the, if you identify with this then come be you know come be a fan of this team and fans will essentially be sort of locked into their selection for the first season but once that season's over if they decide you know I actually like this team better they can basically switch their allegiance at that point right so it's based on personality rather than geography so you're not going to have the the Baltimore butt McButt faces or whatever it is it's, <laughs> it's just the butt McButt faces yeah now the butt faces has been thrown out that'll probably be a, that'll probably <laughs> that'll probably rank highly in the, in the name voting <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, this is a wild concept um, the TV studio that you've got because effectively they're playing in a TV studio right? essentially yeah yeah we could think of it think of it as essentially kind of a you know, indoor production studio like you might find on a might find on a film set it'll have a a football field laid in there there'll be some setup for fans to watch although we're really designing the entire process for digital consumption rather than sort of the in-person in-person fan experience but but yeah the, the entire facility will be purpose-built to facilitate kind of an incredible digital streaming media experience. Yeah, and, and what are you trying to add to that? Are you trying to make it Madden-esque? Trying to make it a gaming experience almost? And then a lot, well, a lot of the interesting conversation that we had in our panel yesterday about you know, the ways that streaming video can help real-world sports sort of make a comeback against the, the growing popularity of esports was just the variety, essentially, of camera angles and shots and ways to view the game and different information and data that you can lay into the experience that streaming video makes available. And, you know, some of that will be, okay, we should place a, you know, a stationary camera here and here. Some of it will be, let's use drone cameras to get this certain view, follow these certain players. Some will be helmet cams in the player themselves so you'll be able to get a field level player's eye view of what's going on and we think the really cool thing will be stitching all that together and figuring out actually one of our fellow panelists does this for drone racing which is its own pretty kind of cool and unique thing that has all these first person views of the drones flying through a race course but they're using artificial intelligence to say okay let's go from this camera to this camera to this camera to kind of give you a sense and place of what's going on you know I've seen some drone races done and it's done really well it's a really cool experience if it's done badly it's just about nauseating but we think it's a really cool new frontier to let you experience a football play as it's going on potentially from 
multiple viewpoints. Mm -hmm. And since we'll know basically what's coming in terms of the offense and defensive plays, we're envisioning being able to have the traditional view in Madden is kind of from up and behind the offense, looking down, being able to see the whole field. And you can hit a button, it'll show what all, say, the pass patterns or blocking assignments will be prior to the snap. So you can look and say, yep, okay, that's what's happening. That's probably the receiver I want to throw to. And so we'll be able to, yeah, in theory, do that for the offense and defense. Say, here are the patterns that are coming up. This is how the defenders are going to be arrayed. So you might look and say, boy, I bet this is going to be the crucial spot on the field to watch because this is, looks like where the defense may be weak. And then you could potentially even say, well, I want to follow the receiver that's running that route. So I want to have a drone follow him or I want to see the view through his through his helmet camera as he does that. So some of it will be about the layout and technology in the studio. Some will be about the different cameras and different viewpoints we're able to get. And some will be about how you stitch all those together to kind of tell the story of each individual play, you know, both from the entertainment standpoint of his watching, but also the fans are trying to win and try and become better and smarter play callers. So we think this is also going to be a great avenue to kind of a deeper understanding of football itself and how all the pieces fit together from a tactical standpoint. Who's your target audience? Because it would seem to be younger based in terms of the entertainment factor, Twitch, the gaming element. Is that fair? Is that right? I, th I think that may be how it, it shakes out early on. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think we want to capture everybody that we can, and I think there's going to be a component of, you know, fans that you know, could be fans that have followed a certain team for 20, 30 years or exceptionally fed up with its management and <laughs> frustrated by, you know, the lack of the lack of winnings. By God, I've waited for this my whole life. I get to make the decisions. I know I'm smarter than the offensive coordinator. Here we go. I, I think we've got the potential for older, lifelong football fans to be excited about this, but because of the really mobile, heavy engagement, because of the fact that we'll be in a you know a streaming media environment, I think more naturally we'll be kind of out in front of where out of a younger generation tends to be and tends to spend their time. So I think we'll we'll see a lot of that, and that you know that's an audience. I know you know the NFL and you know and other leagues are trying their best to, to woo and win that audience and you know I think some of the leagues are, are having challenges there and so you know we're thinking between this you know these aspects of fan control trying to be at the very cutting edge of how sports can be viewed and consumed and you know putting control over that into fans hands as well we think that'll make this really attractive to an audience that you know maybe to this point has been more focused on esports and gaming things like that because hey I really do have that that kind of control yeah that's the thing because everyone's talking about esports at the moment and how esports is becoming more serious and monetized and a challenge to perhaps traditional sports well this is this is a traditional sport this is an esports this is this is traditional sports moving a little bit more towards the esport generation but it's still a traditional sport will be a different version of it yeah, no, I think that I think that's a, a good way to put it. And yeah, we're definitely trying to very consciously appeal to the esports crowd, you know, fans and and one of the other things that's interesting, we're developing this football league. This is the first, we hope, of many fan-controlled leagues that we will either develop or facilitate. And we're kind of creating both our, our fan token system, our, our mobile application, you know, how we'll be able to plug into and use data as something that we could use to, say, start a fan-controlled baseball league in 
South Korea or a fan-controlled cricket league in India or you know if there was a or if there was an existing league you know, and I'm not as conversant with uh, what the rest of the world calls football in terms of in terms of how you know different you know different leagues in a different country might be structured but there could be you know somewhere in Europe somewhere in South America you know it's maybe a lower division league that says we want to employ this concept and they'll be able to use fan token to power fan engagement in their league and let fans make whatever decisions they choose you know some leagues may not say we're turning everything over to y'all but you can vote on a starting lineup you can you know decide what what players you want to see you can decide on a trade or something like that you can kind of ease into the notion of fan control but you've got all this cool interactivity and and fan engagement um, software and and capability laid out for you to plug into and overlay into your league yeah i mean certain sports lend themselves more to it because there's individual plays and it's stop and start Mm -hmm. soccer doesn't have that american football has that so you can break it up so there's more possibilities to control Mm -hmm. i suppose so but it's interesting you're already thinking about other things you can do with it yeah yeah absolutely and yeah we're we're looking for you know we're trying to make just about everything about this as open source as we can you know we want to open up the data that we're going to be collecting on the field on the players say hey what can what can you do with this what can you know artificial intelligence or machine learning tell us about how to more effectively plan tactics on the football field how to more effectively evaluate players and whatnot and, you know i think some learnings from that may be applicable to the big boys like you know the nfl and and uh, and things of that and probably cross sport and then you know also saying you know, we want to throw this open if you've got an idea for a sport that hadn't occurred to us or inventing an entirely new sport be it anything from drone racing to you know new things that humans could do on a field then we'd love to make this you know available there as well we're certainly not going to think of every cool application that the notion of fan controlled and fan engaged sports can can ultimately exploit but uh, when people have cool ideas like that we want to talk to them (laughs) How do you get over the fact that people are going to view this as just a novelty, as a as a piece of as as fluff and not serious? Well, I think because it'll be... surely you've had that. Oh yeah, no, we yeah we have. Well, certainly last year uh, when we were doing you know the notion of the first fan-controlled team, uh, pardon the interruption with uh, Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon's very popular program on uh, on ESPN here in the states, and they basically do a two-man back and forth you know debate over the the sports topics of the day. And okay, fans are going to call their plays. What's going to happen? And one of them was just, no, that's the most ridiculous idea. This is a give. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. This is this is absurd. So yeah, you'll you'll but, see. But you knew that was coming. Oh yeah, no, we we. Love, yeah, we love that we we promoted that that interview as widely as we could, but yeah, we, we know there'll be there'll be skepticism around that, and I think we want to tell our story in as many platforms and in as many ways as we can to answer questions that people might have about like is this gimmicky? Well, no, this is actually how it's going to work. So this is going to be cool, and then you know just making sure that out of the gate the experience is a great one because you know people are going to say how's this all going to work, but we think getting to vote wow my vote counted on determining the the name of this team or yeah i vote i i helped draft our first round qb we think people are going to have a really deep investment in the success of this team because they're the ones controlling things and calling the shots and so i think if we nail that and we get that level of excitement about really having your hands on the controls of what's going to happen with this team i think that'll very quickly take it from a gimmick to wow how do i how do i get involved in that because that sounds really cool 
in terms of revenue I talk, you talked about the fan token the cryptocurrency what else are you looking at are you looking at the more traditional ways obviously advertising and merchandising and all that kind of stuff is that that's, there as that's well? probably yeah that's probably going to be the foundation of the, the league revenue model will be you know traditional spot or not necessarily traditional sponsorship sales because we think there are going to be you know some really unique ways to engage with fans you know within our within our ecosystem so we think that sponsoring and advertising partners will find some really cool opportunities to do that and you know also we'll be doing obviously merchandising and whatnot you know ticket sales won't be most likely as large a component as they are in you know most traditional league because yeah, this is it's, less it's, tailored for it's a thousand people is it a hundred it's not i'm hundred? not sure yet it'll probably be sort of a studio audience i would guess it'll be be between 250 and a thousand okay. probably just on one side of the field and kind of serving as the backdrop to oh this this is a sport. I see it. There's fans in the stands. I, I know what that looks like. So it's not kind of a totally alien, you know, guys just playing in an empty room environment. But, uh, you know, and the, you know, we're not going to be trying to, to make a ton of money off those tickets so much as just get folks in there to be excited about the games, you know, let kids let kids have a, a cheap and fun way to go and, and watch the team and families when they're when they're in town will probably have a lot of drive-by fandom since we're going to be in a, a city that's, you know, one of the biggest tourist attractions in the nation, people coming through and wanting to catch this as part of their experience and being able to do sponsorship opportunities with the individual teams as well as the league as a whole. Yeah, I think that'll be the the majority of the the league's revenue model, but you know, certainly like anything else we'll be uh, looking at new new ideas and ways to expand that as we go forward have you had reaction from the nfl and the wider football community or has it has it been silenced thus far and they're waiting to we, see what happens yeah we have we have i don't think we i don't think we're necessarily on the nfl's radar all that much at this point or even really the um, you know the canadian football league is sort of you know north america the you know this the second largest and wealthiest American style football league, although they've got their own rule set for that, but it's played outdoors on a big field. And uh, yeah, I, I think they'll start to probably take notice of us as this league actually starts getting played. And you know, we're hoping that we want to be basically a, tech, a technology incubator for all these cool elements of fan engagement. And you know, back I don't know if you're familiar with the XFL that Vince McMahon had launched in the early 2000s. That league didn't succeed for a number of reasons, but he had that you know flying sky cam thing that has now become one of the coolest elements of watching an NFL game. The, the shots you get from that. So we're envisioning that some of the the technology and the fan engagement approaches that we take will probably bubble up to some of the the bigger and more established leagues because we're going to be a place where you can really experiment and kind of have a live lab of of seeing what works and you know, and not everything will work perfectly out of the gate. We'll be trying to iron things out, but you know we think that we'll probably be on their radar more from a fan engagement standpoint. You know, I don't think the Dallas, I don't think Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys are going to soon say, "All right, fans, you go ahead and call the plays in the first half." There'll be some elements of fan control that big established leagues would be very hesitant to adopt. But I think in terms of fan engagement and and presentation of a game, I think we'll be doing some things that'll that'll catch people's interest pretty early on. What's the biggest technical challenge you've had? Well, the biggest technical challenge we had last year was simply the fact that a lot of the arenas that we played in weren't really well set up for streaming broadcast and and all of that. There was one there was one uh, game we were playing in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, 
that was a couple of a couple hours actually from my hometown and so I had driven out there and was running the system to let the play call system know where the play was and all that and I had my own Wi-Fi hotspot with me to make sure that my computer had a good connection to talk to the system but we noticed very early on like wait a minute the the, the plays that are being called aren't the ones that are being run on the field and we saw our coach ranting and raving because he, he had an he had an iPad where he would see the play call come up to him and just a custom app that was just for him but the arena had no Wi-Fi in it at all just of, of any kind <laughs> and so that wasn't working and so ended up in the second half I was having to walk back and forth along the sideline jumping through the hockey boxes on the side of the field so that my Wi-Fi hotspot would also stay in range of, <laughs> of his iPad so that he could get the play calls going so it was dealing with some of the some of the challenges of trying to make this work in some areas that weren't ideally suited for it, which is one of the big things that led us to the notion that you would kind of call it a league in a box of everybody's going to play in one facility where we've got total control over all the tech and everything else to make sure that we're able to deliver an A1 experience every time. Are the players enthusiastic about this? Are they engaged in it? The players last year, you know, there there was some degree of, of skepticism about it, but by and large, just about everybody was pretty bought in as as the season went on. I, th- I think I mentioned that you know the offensive linemen would get kind of frustrated when we when the fans weren't calling uh, as many run plays as we liked, and we thought we were in a little trouble early on. It was the third day of, of training camp prior to the season, and the guy that we had brought in to be our starting quarterback just came up to the coach and said. I'm, I'm just not feeling this whole fan play calling. I don't, I don't think this is for me. I'm, and so he left, and we were just left with our backup QB. And we're like, oh, this, this, this could be a little rough here. But then that a guy, his name is Verlon Reed, and he actually played uh, at Ohio State, you know, one of the biggest uh, Division One programs in the U.S. before transferring off to a small school called Findlay College so he could play quarterback. Yeah, he got thrust into the spotlight and ended up being the offensive uh, rookie of the year in the, in the league. So that ended up being a pretty cool story. But, you know, there, there were times when players would get frustrated any time that a game's not going well, but, you know, they saw that it didn't really disrupt the flow of the game and the offense was was fairly successful throughout the years so for the most part the players were were bought in you know we'll probably have to be you know doing a sales job again to the new crop of players that we bring into this league now we have to have essentially eight times as many guys buy into this and to be able to to populate an entire league as as we're going to do but we think between the salary we'll be able to offer, the exposure, and you know, the other buzz around the league, we think we won't have a problem attracting those players, and then it'll be up to us to make sure that the experience works well enough that they're just out there playing football. They may see the you know, the play call come to them on a, a wrist monitor and say, all right, that's what we're doing, but everything other than that, they're playing football and we're providing a good practice environment, we're providing quality coaching and instruction and everything else so that this is a it's a quality experience for them and something that will give them a platform to catch the interest of the the NFL or the CFL Yes, players are still going to want to go and play in NFL. Oh, yeah, no, that's absolutely. where the money is. Exactly, you know? exactly. So yeah, you can't we, yeah. compete with that. But no, no. Our, yeah, our, we think our, our salaries will be uh, very attractive relative to some of the other indoor football leagues and options that are currently available. But yeah, in the foreseeable future, we won't even be competing with, with the CFL, let alone the NFL. So we will, if a guy gets a chance to go and try out for the practice squad or those teams, we will pat him on the back and say, good job, go get them. And just finally, you've talked about taking it to other sports. You've talked about where it might might go. But let's just talk short-term future. What's 
what's year one look like and what's year three look like and what's year five look like if assuming the funding lasts that long where, where do you and assuming it goes on to success what's it look like that immediate future I'd say for the FCFL itself there may be the options to expand the number of teams within the league you know we'll we'll see how many you know what, what's the maximum number of teams and games you can play in one facility in a week you know maybe we could expand it from eight teams to 12 or maybe even to 16 and then you know, we'd possibly have to have another facility we could launch another version of the same league you know in a different geography and have eight teams there and then possibly have those two leagues end up playing in a in an overall championship game in the way that uh, you know they the end there was the american football league the afl and the nfl they ended up merging at one point but prior to that the original super bowls where there was a team from the nfl and a team from the afl so we could see possibly a structure like that we'll certainly be trying to expand and grow the the cool technology aspects of the league and all that every season as well as you know possibly expanding this into you know other sports be it in the states or you know in other countries that that say hey this idea of of fan controlled and really fan engaged sports is something we want to get into jason chilton thank you very much well thank you it's been a pleasure You've been listening to Sport, Digital, and Social with Mr. Richard Clark. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. You can find Richard on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching for at Mr. Richard Clark or at his website, MrRichardClark.com.